my hope is that we, through this process right now, can weed out the the sort of weaker actors in the ecosystem mm -hmm. and, and hopefully emerge stronger and better and and be you know more reliable as an ecosystem for the people that need it, whether it be for financial transactions or for privacy mm -hmm. or you know for empowering people to build new applications that can help do so many things that we like to do on the internet, but do it in a decentralized way that's safer and stronger um, and more secure. So, so I think we'll make it there, but yeah, it's a little bit like the early days of the internet where not everything right. worked super well all the time and it took a little while to get the bugs worked out, but, but now we have a very reliable, strong internet today. And then this should be the next iteration of that if, if we do our job correctly. Welcome to Tech Intersect. I'm your host, Tanya Evans, and my life and work exist at the heart of law, business, and technology. Yeah, I've earned a few fancy titles and degrees over the years, but the bottom line is I'm a writer, speaker, teacher, and lifelong learner. And I'm really excited that you've joined me on this journey. So what is Tech Intersect? Well, it's authentic, empowering conversations with really interesting guests who demystify complex topics to prepare you for the future, because your future is now. And it exists where law, business, and tech intersect. Get ready to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. In this episode of Tech Intersect, I am so very excited to welcome Kristen Smith to the show to discuss the current regulatory environment in the crypto assets and blockchain space and how the current regulatory climate is shaping the future of work and wealth and creativity. Kristen is the executive director of the Blockchain Association, which is a Washington, D.C.-based trade association representing the most prominent and reputable organizations in the crypto industry. And she sets the association's public policy strategy and leads engagement as a liaison between policymakers and the crypto industry, really to assist in the creation of legislation and regulation that promotes the growth of the crypto ecosystem in the United States. So I could think of no one better to engage with in this conversation. We'll talk all about that and more in a moment. But first, Kristen, welcome. It's great to be back, Tanya. Thanks for having me. Yes, I'm so excited. And, you know, we connect electronically so much. And with the pandemonium, I haven't actually been in the same place and space at the same time. So I will take any opportunity to connect with you. You know, I thank the world of you and, and thank you for coming on and helping my listeners to kind of make sense of, of where we've been, where we are, and maybe where we're going. Just that little thing, just a little, a few little things that we'll talk about. We'll right, right. <laughs> And when I reached out to you, one of the first things, and I know in press, I've been asked about it a lot as well. We've seen some legislation come out, particularly on the United States Senate side, Agriculture Committee, and, and maybe you can even just say a little bit of why, of why ag is involved in commodities as we talk about digital assets, but have the Ag Committee that would require crypto firms involved with trading of digital commodities. Talk about Bitcoin and I guess ETH is still a commodity. I think so. Um, and uh, to register with the CFTC as the primary regulator. So that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. I, I, as I understand it, there are a couple of different bills out yeah. there as well. So can you help us unpack that? 
Yeah, no, I think I think what's really interesting is is what we've seen so far in 2022 is Congress has gotten very interested in figuring out a better way to regulate cryptocurrencies. And it's what's really cool about it is it's happening both with Republicans and Democrats, both in the House and the Senate. You know, if you go back a couple of years, it was sort of House Republicans that were talking about this mm-hmm. and that's it. But now it's, you know, all of Congress is, is really starting to get involved. And we've seen a couple of notable bills that all have different variations, but there, but there's some common threads there. So one of them is this bill by Cynthia Lummis and Kirsten Gillibrand of Wyoming and New York, respectively. Uh, these are two senators that introduced a very comprehensive bill. There was also recently in July uh, a bill by Senator Stabenow and Bozeman, who are mm-hmm. the chair and ranking member of the Senate Agriculture Committee. And you're probably like, what does agriculture have to do with digital assets? Well, a lot actually, because the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, which was originally trading, you know, like wheat futures, uh, that that falls under the jurisdiction of the Senate and House Agriculture Committee. So to have the, the two top people of those committees say, hey, we think the CFTC needs to be playing a role is really, really meaningful. We've also seen similar bills introduced over in the House side, the Digital Commodity Exchange Act is a bipartisan bill that we've seen over there. But what these these three bills I just mentioned all do is they all have this common thread of saying the CFTC needs to have an expanded role. And, mm. and the reason why this is significant is for a long time there's been this discussion about should it be the SEC or the CFTC. And the reality is neither of them really have the authority, right? Because the SEC doesn't have authority over commodities like Bitcoin. And the CFTC has authority over commodity futures, but Mm -hmm. not sort of the underlying cash spot markets for those commodities. So Congress is going to need to act either way. And what Congress seems to be coalescing around is the CFTC is the right home for these. So, you know, these are, this is, this is the year of idea generation and Mm -hmm. throwing, you know, putting pen to paper, getting specific proposals out there. But I think it's going to be 2023 that's the year where we actually see these bills start to move through committee and maybe even, uh, you know, through the full chamber and signed into law. So a lot of exciting things happening on the legislative front. Yeah, that's a really great way to couch or categorize what's happening this year. And I feel like even where we are right now is a lot of forward progress when you think of so many other bills that kind of languished in in subcommittee think of like the token taxonomy act and even when it started to get more sway it focused on one aspect without that comprehensive approach to what is the best agency to deal with this space right um yeah. and as a matter of like enabling and i don't think people really fully appreciate so much attention and necessarily so is focused on agencies but as you rightly understand, the idea of what an agency is empowered to do for the lion's share of agencies really comes from Congress. Right. And so we can yell on Twitter all day at regulators, <laughs> but if we really want to move the needle, it really is about the enabling legislation, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and listen, I think for the most part, maybe not with the SEC, which has had you know, mm. sort of a love-hate relationship with the Fair. crypto community. But Fair. but if you look at if you look at the Treasury Department with the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, they were very early on giving guidance for how anti-money laundering laws right. apply. And, you know, that policy is largely settled. Um, even tax policy, the IRS is very early to say, hey, that these virtual commodities are 
property and you need to tax on his property. So right. where agencies have been able to, they've come through with guidance to help people using digital assets navigate the you know broader sort of government regulatory system. Mm-hmm. But the reality is there are just some holes there that aren't captured. And we really do need Congress to come in and look at it from a broader level and provide some new authorities that make sense for the risks that these assets pose, because mm-hmm. they are a little bit different. And the way these transactions happen are conducted in a way that's different, that you can't just take the same model that's been used for uh, you know, traditional finance and apply it, or you're going to break some of the, you're going to take away the very characteristics that make, make crypto assets special and unique. Absolutely. What are your thoughts on a completely sui generis approach and just having a not fitting squarely in the CFTC's purview, the SEC focusing on securities, that is what it is. Is the technology, it's kind of like a two-part question, but is the technology so challenging to the existing regulatory framework that it might benefit from a completely new regulator added to the to, to the alphabet soup? You know, it's an interesting question. I think in a perfect world, right. like, Probably yes, right? right? Like you would want an agency because, you know, this is a different kind of commodity. This isn't the same as other commodities. It's mm-hmm. global. It's digital. It's it's very different. And, you know, it's different than a security. It may look and feel like it's right. trades like a security, but what drives its value is very different. Um, I think having a new agency would be interesting. I just don't think it's politically very practical right. because to build something from the ground up takes a long time. And there is a lot of work really quite frankly, that both the SEC and the CFTC has done to, to learn about this space. There are people there, there's a building there. There's um, (laughs) some basic things, There's leadership, like, like to, to build all of that from scratch would take so long. And I think, I think consumers, you know, they have some very basic things that they want to see, mm. some guardrails around this space and and institutions that are interested in coming in and investing. And I just don't think we have the luxury of building something from the ground up. I think we have to fit it within an existing structure. And Congress right. is going to want to do that too. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. You are listening to the Tech Intersect podcast with Professor Tanya M. Evans. Powered by Advantage Evans. No, that makes a lot of sense. That That's helpful for me to help think through that because it's easy, particularly as an academic who thinks oftentimes normatively 
And yes. then you pair that <laughs> on the other side with the practical implications of how to get this done and to start to try and catch up to technology, which law never does. It's not really built to do that, right? So right. we spent all of this time and energy and the resources as a matter of education. You're so heavily invested in that to kind of throw that all out and to try and start. It may be easier for a smaller nation or one that's more nimble or one that has one regulator for everything. But I just don't think yeah. that's going to be a neat fit here, right? Yeah. Well, in a lot of other countries, yeah, they don't have to worry about this agency or that agency because there's only one choice. And right. the U.S. isn't like that. We're We're much more fractured in terms of the various agencies that get pulled in. So it right. makes it a little and, more challenging. Yeah, and committees on, on the legislative yeah. side, right? There's wrangling <laughs> yeah. there too. Interesting. Exactly. I'm interested in your thoughts, obviously, and I was on Coindesk not too long ago talking about tornado cash and privacy. And I'm such a staunch advocate of privacy as a matter of um, um, sovereignty and self-sufficiency. And in light of OFAC's prohibition of, tornado cash, and, and we can talk a little bit about what that is, the process of mixing or kind of obfuscating the trail as a matter of financial privacy. But it makes me think of kind of like the late 90s, early 2000s, when as an intellectual property lawyer, originally thinking about like Napster and Grokster and, and fo are we focusing on the technology or the way that it is used when it has both in my case, for an IP lawyer, infringing and non-infringing uses. Here, we have technology that can be used for a number of purposes and the potential implication as a matter of, of, of the stifling or the chilling effect around privacy and First Amendment rights with, with software. So there's just so many things going on right now. I'm just wondering your thoughts on, on where we are with that and, and where we probably should go. Yeah, you know, the tornado cash is, is challenging because I based off of multiple conversations, I don't believe that this was something that the uh, OFAC, the Office of Foreign Assets Control, I don't think they woke up one morning and was like, let's go regulate technology right. um, and fundamentally change the way that we've approached sanctions policy. Mm. Um, and I think what happened was there were people at the State Department and at the Treasury Department that were like, boy, we're under a lot of pressure. We really need to do something on North Korea. What can we do? Mm. Um, the problem is the result of that really does look like a shift in policy. I mean, right. instead instead of going after specific people or specific companies that are involved with countries that are you know enemies of the United States or that are involved in terrorist activity or something like that, they, they really went over, they went after an entire class of technology after mm -hmm. smart contracts that help facilitate privacy. And so, yes, North Korea was using that technology, but there were also a lot of innocent people who were using that technology. And so, you know, I'm hoping that this is sort of like a teachable moment. And mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of education. We're part of it. Other groups are part of it. We're, we're, we're trying to get in and talk to OFAC, talk to Treasury, and make sure they understand the implications of what they've done. And hopefully you know, this will be an opportunity to prevent these type of things from happening again. But, mm -hmm. but in the abstract, it's incredibly troubling because I think privacy is fundamental to any right. type of, of system and, and the ability to have peer-to-peer -peer transactions. You know, there's so many legitimate reasons why you want to have private transactions right. that, that we need to find a way to do that. And, and so, so yes, I think this has, this has started a debate that we've needed to have 
that really has been on the back burner because other issues have have been pushing to the forefront. But um, now this is front and center, and I and I'm hoping it's something we can engage constructively in. It's a little bit messy when you're dealing with North Korea, but the reality is it's it's not an easy conversation to have, and and so. I'm hoping that this is the start of a debate and a, and a good discussion back and forth and not the beginning of the end of, of financial privacy. Right. And I imagine it's even more, or tell me your thoughts on whether it is even more challenging to advocate in the way that you are on these varied and various topics in the midst of a crypto winter as well. And we've seen over the you know the last few months, in addition to the price pullback, and we've both been through ebbs and flows. I don't even really look at it. People talk about it, but it's not the most interesting or technically most important thing to me, personally speaking. It is a part of a larger ecosystem when we're working on something bigger in the long haul, right? So that's my soapbox moment. But I know that in the midst of a winter when there are people who are hurting in the space, and I I think of in particular those who are new entrants, I think of those who have traditionally been systemically marginalized, Black and brown communities, women, queer communities, right? Coming in and having less, much more to gain, but a lot to lose. Uh, does that impact it with rug pulls and and software bugs in this, in this environment? Yeah, no, it's been, it's, it's definitely been a rough year. I, I really think that the, uh, it's like this, this, these crypto networks and the, the, the technology is so powerful, but it's not without flaws. And it doesn't mean that we won't work those out over time, right? But I, I really, and, and I, when I talk to our industry membership, I, I implore them, like, please, like, get these problems solved because mm-hmm. I think they're addressable and I think there's a lot of smart people working on them. But there's trust in the technology, but if it can be exploited, then it's not going to work for consumers. And so we need to find ways to ensure that the code is strong, that the scams are limited. And you know, some of the scams, by the way, aren't sort of these like obscure technical things. Like some of them are, you have these centralized entities that are gambling with customer deposits, right? right. Like you have, you know, you, we, we really need to mature as an industry. So my hope is that we, through this process right now, can weed out the, the sort of weaker actors in the ecosystem mm-hmm. and, and hopefully emerge stronger and better and and be, you know, more reliable as an ecosystem for the people that need it, whether it be for financial transactions or for privacy mm-hmm. or, you know, for empowering people to build new applications that can help do so many things that we like to do on the internet, but do it in a decentralized way that's safer and stronger um, and more secure. So, so I think we'll make it there, but yeah, it's a little bit like, the early days of the internet where not everything right. worked super well all the time. And it took a little while to get the bugs worked out, but, but now we have a very reliable, strong internet today. And then this should be the next iteration of that. If, if we do our job correctly. So yeah, definitely more work to do, but, but it's worth, worth the effort. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And, you know, one of the conversations we had probably back in 2020, I think it was around the time of the blockchain inauguration forum or something like that. But we were talking at that time about the role that policymakers in the new administration at that time would play in economic recovery across the board. And I'm wondering, kind of a our, our final topic focusing on education and empowerment, where do you think we are now and, and what opportunities present themselves in the future as a matter of economic recovery, 
but also in the yeah. in the midst of that economic empowerment. Yeah, no, listen, I think it's getting better. And I mean, one of the things I'm most excited about is the executive order that mm-hmm. President Biden put out this past spring. You know, this fall, we're going to be seeing a lot of the results um, in the form of studies uh, that will be issued by various federal agencies. And, you know, what I liked about it is they asked questions about financial inclusion. They asked questions about U.S. competitiveness. Like they, they were like, how can this help? Mm. I mean, yes, they called out like, hey, these are these concerns. Do we need policy changes to help combat you know, illicit finance and things like that. But but they were also asking the right questions about how can this help solve problems we see today. And so I'm really excited to see those results. I think having a kind of a formal process like that is very helpful, both within the agencies who are doing the analysis and, and the report writing, but also for policymakers on Capitol Hill who mm-hmm. will receive these reports. And it will really help, I think, lead to a more informed debate as Congress is looking to make policy in 2023. So I, I think we've come a long ways. I mean, it's, 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 it's obviously still, you know, a very complicated area. There, there's a lot of nuance. There's, you know, uh, as we've seen, there's some bad headlines, but there's also, if you if look closely, there's a lot of really great innovation going on. And it, I think it's making sure that we are telling those stories and, and as more and more individuals continue to rely on cryptocurrencies and crypto networks, I mean, that's really what's going to shift policymakers is when they see that, oh, the, the people, people are benefiting from this. Right. And it's something we want to, we want to help and not, and not try to, to rein in. Absolutely. We kind of are moving, this is the era of moving from the white paper to reality because it's easy yes. to talk you know, or have a white paper and a, a website in a dream. It's another thing to act, to see the actualization of that and have constituents say, no, no, we want this early and yeah. often. Right? Yeah, we, we like want this. this. Yeah. <laughs> we like this. We want the optimum balance between innovation, obviously, but protecting consumers and investors, but letting it all move forward for a win-win for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So thinking about the road ahead and the role that the Blockchain Association plays in it, just share a little bit about what's on the horizon for you all in terms of your focus. Um, as we wind out, we're on the other side of this now in 2022. Might as well start talking about 2023 now. Where are we going with this? Coming fast. <laughs> no, I mean, I think for us this year, we've been focused, you know, broadly on engaging with the executive order process and and continuing with education. Um, We've been very encouraged by the various, you know, legislative proposals out there. We don't agree with everything in them. And so part of what we're doing is working within our membership to come to an agreement on specific changes we'd like to Mm -hmm. see to these bills that we can hopefully get incorporated into the legislation when it's reintroduced in the new Congress. I mean, that's the beauty of this process, right, is that you have an opportunity to provide substantive feedback. And so Mm -hmm. we're doing the kind of behind the scenes work to do that now. You know, on the flip side, you know, we're very mindful that there could be some rushed policies that come down from the SEC or the IRS or others. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, we're prepared if we need to play defense, if we need to challenge things in court, you know, we're ready to go if, if we need to push back on something that's moving too quickly. But mm-hmm. our hope is to have an open process, one where we can provide input, 
um, and one where there can be a lot of thoughtful discussion and debate so that we can get a really well thought out sound policy that everybody mm -hmm. can live with that meets all of the objectives that policymakers have, but still, you know, encourages the development of the of the ecosystem here in the US. So, so yeah, it's a little bit of education, a little bit of uh, consensus building within the industry, and being, you know, ready to, to be a thoughtful partner in the policymaking process. So yeah, there's lots of work to be doing. And, <laughs> and I think it's only going to increase in 2023. But that's okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the ecosystem is better for having you and the Blockchain Association in it, my friend. You know where I am. I'm on Twitter and in my inbox and my phone. You know, you have the bat line. So let's continue to work together and build together. And thank you for coming on. I will definitely have you back on early 2023. It'll be a completely new ecosystem. I don't yeah. even know what we'll be talking about, but it will be fun. And it'll be fun because you're here with me. We'll be talking about crypto policy. Exactly. <laughs> thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Tech Intersect podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you love it, please tell the world. If not, go ahead and tell me. And in either case, drop a comment or ping me on social media at IPProfEvans with the hashtag TechIntersect. And finally, a quick reminder on digital safety. There are a lot of scammers out there impersonating me and others, and I need your help. Now hear this, and remember, I will never slide into your DMs to say peace and blessings or hey, and I will never reach out to solicit your time or your money on social media like ever. I'm not a trader. I am an educator and an attorney licensed in four states. Thank you very much. I'm here to inform, inspire, and empower. No cap and definitely no Forex. So be careful, make good choices. And remember, I developed an entire free masterclass about the topic of digital safety in the crypto space. So check out secureyourcryptobag.com for more information. That's secureyourcryptobag.com. All right, that's all for this episode. Until next time, continue to shine. <laughs>